You're listening to The Health Classes You Missed. My name is Monica and I'm a secondary school health teacher with a passion for all things health. Whether you're currently at school or you finished 20 years ago, this podcast will help you understand those topics that may have been skimmed over, considered inappropriate or flat out ignored. So sit up straight, faces forward, let's get into it. Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode back for 2022. In today's episode, we have the lovely Katie from Get Papped, an initiative that aims to end the stigma surrounding cervical health by encouraging people to be accountable and book in their cervical screenings. They also sell a range of products, including bucket hats, t-shirts, and birthday cards to help us keep our loved ones and the people around us accountable too. In this episode, we discuss the creation of Get Papped, what a cervical screening is, what to expect in an appointment, and the importance of ensuring you and the people around you are staying up to date with your cervical screenings. Welcome, Katie, from Get Papped. I'm so so happy to have you here. I think what you're doing is absolutely incredible with Get Papped. Firstly, I guess I just want to ask you kind of what inspired you to create Get Papped and how did you even come up with the idea? Um, So thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be chatting with you. Um, I suppose what inspired me was my own um, abnormal pap smear results. Back then it was a pap smear. It's now changed to a cervical screening. Um, so I received an abnormal result and I was instantly terrified, even by having an amazing doctor who took some time to explain things to me. Of course, I went home to Dr. Google and I Googled, you know, abnormal results. Everything was flashing, cervical cancer, HPV, sexually transmitted disease. And I was like, oh my God, I'm disgusting and I have cancer. Like, what's going on? (laughs) Super dramatic. Um, But, you know, I didn't want other people to have to do that Google and think that that was what had happened. And I just wanted to create a space that made an abnormal result normal because it is, because it's expected, I think it's expected that 80% of adults contracted at some point in their lives. So it's more unusual not to contract a form of HPV, um, most of which are undetected. And I, I just don't think that the rhetoric around everything medical should be so clinical and sterile. Sometimes it can be more holistic and more conversational and I think that cervical screenings kind of fit into that space where it can be more of a comfortable conversation because it is such a normal part of our lives yeah beautiful yeah wow and that's that's interesting because I do know a few people that have had abnormal I guess tests as well and they've come back and and kind of same thing freaked out not really knowing what to do. And I guess, you know, you having a good doctor is such an important part of that as well. Uh, I guess I wanna know what is HPV when you talk about HPV? So 
the reason people hate talking about HPV and are kind of embarrassed if they have it is because it is sexually transmitted. Um, and the then STI bracket around yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you Google it, it starts talking about warts, which makes it sound mm-hmm. even more totally unsexy. Yeah. Um, and I am not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional, so I won't go in depth into what it means and what it is you can talk to your doctor about it or google it if you do receive that result but basically most strains of hpv do not mean anything basically but some strains can cause cancer and that's why the cervical screening test is looking for these abnormal cells which likely mean hpv and if that is the case that's when they start monitoring your cells to see if there's any more changes. There's all different stages of changes. Some are low grade, which is what I had, which means we'll just keep an eye on it, maybe do a biopsy. And if that biopsy returns a higher grade abnormality or the tests return higher grade abnormalities, that's when it starts getting a little more serious um, and they might have to do an operation or you may have cervical cancer. But the most important thing is, is that if you're having your on-time cervical screenings, you can catch these abnormal cells because they're signs and pre-warnings of pre-cancer. And that's when you can really protect yourself. So I suppose the reason that I feel so passionate about promoting cervical screenings um, and cervical cancer education and awareness is because it's one of the very few forms of cancer that's actually preventable. Yeah, that's pretty amazing that it is. So catching it early is key. Yes, definitely. So what exactly is a cervical screening? I kind of want to know, you know, as a young woman or a young person, when you are going to the doctors and, and people are saying, go get a cervical screening, what what does that look like? What are you checking for? I know you did just kind of touch on that about the cells and everything, but can you talk me through the process of kind of an actual appointment and what people can kind of expect? Yeah, for sure. So um, first of all, I don't recommend just going to any doctor. I think you need to find a doctor that you feel completely comfortable with and you trust and they support you. And something that we did with GetPats was that we started a practitioner directory where people who've had an amazing cervical screening and felt really comfortable, well, as amazing as a cervical screening. <laughs> yeah. Um, they recommended them. So you can find a hopefully local doctor in there so that you feel comfortable because something that makes your cervical screening more uncomfortable is if you're tense and not relaxed and if you can find a doctor who can kind of relax you make you feel comfortable your your body will be more relaxed and then the speculum will be inserted easier things like that so I definitely recommend finding a doctor that you trust um but basically what happens in the appointment is um you'll go in have a chat with your doctor before um let them know any concerns that you might have um you'll then be asked to go behind the curtain get un- get changed um you just have to take your bottoms off so i usually just recommend if you wear a skirt then you don't have to be like fully naked and exposed. Um, so it's always kind of awkward sitting there like, oh, I feel like too naked. Or your top's on, but your bottom's off. Like that's a weird, <laughs> that's a quite an awkward yeah. feeling, isn't it? <laughs> like, yeah, you have a skirt, you just prop it up and then it's kind of less weird. I don't know. I mean, a doctor doesn't care. I just yeah. want to feel a little less exposed if I can. Um, 
And then basically the doctor's just going to ask you to usually scoot down the bottom. They'll shine a bright light literally into your vagina, which is an angle you've probably never wanted someone to look at with a bright light. Um, But it's all fine because the doctor has seen thousands of vaginas. And something I stress is yours is literally not special. It's no different to so many others. Like, do not worry about what it looks like. Don't worry if you're shaved. Don't worry about anything. Like the doctor does not care. Yeah. Um, but basically what they do is they'll insert a speculum inside of your vagina and the speculum is completely lubed up. So it's not going, it shouldn't be painful. Um, and if it is painful, let your doctor know. Like there should be communication throughout the entire procedure because the doctor's aware it's invasive and they're aware you're probably a bit embarrassed, a bit uncomfortable. So keep that conversation going. Um, Let them know if it hurts because there is the option of a smaller speculum, which a lot of people don't know. I didn't Uh, know that. That's really good to know. Yeah. So particularly, you know, for people who might have vaginismus or something like like that, or um, they might just have a smaller vagina, there is the option of a smaller speculum. Um, And then basically they're going to just take a brush and a swab of your cervix, um, which is a place you don't usually touch yourself. So it might just feel a little bit weird. Um, It shouldn't take more than a minute. Um, And then once they've got that collected, they will remove the speculum and that will be sent off and you should get your results in a few days. Um, Quite often, even if you have, normal results sometimes doctors still call you in um and what kind of stresses people out as well is quite often you're also um having a sexual health check at the same time a lot of doctors just do both yeah getting called back can be incredibly stressful yeah Um, but quite often it means nothing and they might just want to talk through a few things um and having a low-grade abnormality is very very normal so It's those kind of things. Um, And something I want to say as well is if you are really scared of having a cervical screening, you are allowed to bring someone into the room with you, which for some people might feel weird, but for others that might be exactly what they need. Um, I had two friends who had their cervical screenings done together um, because it just made them feel better and they could then have a laugh about it. Um, The doctor was like, I've never had two people have a cervical (laughs) screening together, but okay. (laughs) I mean, if you're allowed and if that's what's going to make you more comfortable, because as you said, if you are feeling quite uncomfortable, it's going to be harder to do it, I guess. Or, you know, your muscles are tight. It's not like, which I think I saw a funny post on your Instagram of a a text thread with a a guy and a girl and the the guy was saying, oh, you know, like something about it feeling good. And it's like, it's an uncomfortable experience. (laughs) It shouldn't hurt, but it's probably going to be a little bit uncomfortable. So yeah. yeah, I mean, that's good to know that you can take someone. I didn't, I didn't know a lot of that. So that's, yeah, that's really good. You've talked about HPV and kind of saying that it's, it's normal and those, you know, having uh, those low abnormal cells um, isn't usually too much of an issue. And if you get it nice and early, then that's the most important thing, I guess. Is there, say you do have HPV, is there some sort of treatment? Um, I know like there's a vaccine, like, is there anything that you kind of need to do ever or does it normally just go away on its own? 
Yeah, so the vaccine that you touched on, that's the Gardasil vaccine, and that is recommended before you become sexually active. So that's why we get it in high school when we're about 12 or 13. And that vaccine um, stops, well, helps to stop some of the um, cancerous strains of HPV. So um, it's really important to get that vaccine. And you do have the option, if you didn't get it in high school, to get it later on in life. But I don't think it's often free and it's less effective if you have been sexually active. So if you're listening and perhaps you've never had sex, but you've never had the vaccine, it's it's a really good time for you to get this vax. Um, so that's something to consider. Um, but yeah, in terms of if you're told by your doctor that you have HPV, um, a lot of the time you'll never be told that you have HPV. If it, if it doesn't come up on the swabs, men don't really get told that they have HPV. So they'll often, you know, be very unaware that they've spread it to you. Um, even the same sex partners probably aren't aware unless they have recently been told by their doctor. Um, but, you know, when you are told you have HPV, your doctor isn't going to tell you that you need to go back through your sexual history and tell everyone or tell future partners. I mean, you probably should let future partners know, but it isn't, um, it's not kind of like, you know, when you're told if you have like syphilis, you're going to have to go back and let everyone know because it's a yeah. big left threat it's so common that they kind of like oh yeah this is part of life yeah um but yeah in terms of get if you're told you have an abnormality and um from your cervical screening there's a few different things that will happen depending on the level that you have um been told that you have so when I had my abnormality it was low grade um, I then had to see a gynecologist, so have a specialist appointment, which, by the way, are quite expensive. So if you're in this situation, prepare yourself that it's not covered by private health. Um, then I had to have a biopsy. So they have a camera where they look closer at your cervix. And if it's showing signs of kind of they just kind of say, like, oh, your cervix is looking a bit unhappy. It looks a bit redder than it should, blah, blah, blah. Um, then they'll have to do a biopsy. And that biopsy is then, you know, a more accurate display of what these cells are up to. I've had three of them and I have to say they're not nice. Um, I have cried pretty much every time. Um, it's a scary, it's a scary thing to go through. Like they're literally cutting part of your cervix and it's not that bad, but it's, it's uncomfortable and it's a bit frightening to be told that you have to have a biopsy and then it feels a little bit uncomfortable for a couple of days so it's just not a nice experience to have to have yeah um but often if that biopsy shows further abnormalities that's when you might have to have um surgery or that's when you might find out that you have cancer things like that so it's it's a stressful time and i, I feel like a lot of people are kind of embarrassed if they're upset about this but you know, I spend so much of my time talking about cervical screenings and getting them done. And I'm the first to admit that I've cried in two waiting rooms and cried in the chair three times. Like it's yeah. something. But it is. I mean, it's, 
number one, it's invasive. And if you're already kind of feeling a bit uncomfortable with that in the first place, and then to then be, you know, especially because we don't get told enough about it. So, you know, I'm sure people who are, are a bit younger as well, and maybe like you, and we're told, oh, you've got an abnormality and, you know, you freak out a little bit thinking, what does this even mean? And I guess there's the importance again of, you know, finding a doctor that you're really comfortable with and that you trust and that maybe is there and going to give you that information that you need because i know a lot of doctors will be like oh no it's fine but that but you'll be in your head and you know going home and googling like you said you did and thinking oh my god i've got cancer i've got this i've got that um so yeah i mean that directory sounds absolutely amazing that's on your website isn't it yeah yeah and i, I you know i mean no matter how amazing the doctor is, it's still going to be a bit scary. But yeah, if you relieve yeah. some of the stress, like run for that because having a bad doctor doing something that you consider invasive is not ideal. I wouldn't even want a, you know, a doctor who's quite abrupt giving me a vaccination. Yeah. Like, I trust that they can do it well, but I want somebody to, you know, really acknowledge my feelings and make me feel really heard. So yeah. I think it's important. Perfect. So when we talk about cervical screenings, when I was younger, I called them pap smears. Mm-hmm. Now, is there a difference between those two things? Because I have no idea whether I've just been saying the wrong word my entire life or they're the same thing. <laughs> no, it's so confusing, right? So a couple of years ago, they changed names. Okay. So, well, they actually changed the type of test. So a pap smear, just think of that as the old test. A cervical screening is the more accurate test. So cervical screens are specifically looking for HPV. And what is amazing about the cervical screening is that it only has to be done every five years. So the pap smear, I think it was every three years or every two years. Um, so now we get to go to the doctor less and we've got a more accurate test. So um, yeah, we've got in the past few years, I think we've really been able to see a lot of progression in this space because we've had the introduction of the vaccination, which most of well, hopefully a lot of people listening had in high school. Um, I think I was the first grade to get it. So I'm 26 now. Yeah. So in high school, we were kind of like, oh, we're the guinea pigs for this like vaccination. But I'm so grateful that we got to have it. Um, Yeah, it's pretty amazing that, you know, you can truly in our lifetime see this this change. Um, And I think our generation is a lot more open about health and our bodies so we're more aware of symptoms than our parents generation I think at times um so yeah I think we'll see a real shift in cervical cancer diagnosis as we get older particularly yeah that's great which is obviously such a good thing especially something that is like you said earlier almost preventable yeah you know if you are going and getting these screenings so I guess my next question is how often should you be getting them done I I've been getting, I guess, cervical screenings, was probably pap smear, cervical screening now. Um, Since I was quite young, that's just because I've got a family history um, and my, you know, my doctor suggested that I get it as soon as I was sexually active. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've probably gotten one every three years after that. Uh, So I guess now when, what's the recommendation? When should you start getting them? I know you said every five years. yeah, and I guess why is it so important to make sure that you are getting it on the on the time that they're they're recommending? 
Yeah, so back when it was a pap smear, it was when you were sexually active. So we kind of got a bit gypped and probably had to have them quite young, which um, I was the same, oh, well. Um, But now it's 25 years old is when you need your first cervical screening. Um, But in saying that, you should still be aware of the symptoms once you're sexually active would be my recommendation because... We know people get abnormalities when they're younger um, and things to look out for are abnormal bleeding. So if you bleed after sex, that's one of the key signs that maybe you should check out what's going on. Um, That's something that's really important. I think there's also um, abnormal discharge, abdominal pains. There's a few um, symptoms that are all on Google. They're on the Get Papped website or the um, Cancer Council website is a really good resource for looking up symptoms like that. Um, but yeah, once you're 25, you need your first one. If your results are completely normal, it's every five years. If you have an abnormality, your doctor will let you know how often. So um, for a couple of years after I had my biopsies, um, I would have to go back every year And now that my biopsies have returned normal, I've had a normal cervical screening. Now it's, I'm back to every five years as well. So you're kind of led by your doctor once you've had an abnormal result. Yeah. Great. Okay. That's good. And I mean, yeah, a bit, um, bit rough that we probably had to have a few more than we, than we wanted to back in the day, but that's fine. I mean, I guess uh, more is better than less so that's yeah. good that's extra extra safe I literally yeah. like I said I'm 26 I think I've had eight cervical screenings and yeah. it's like I'm exhausted I've had yeah geez eight <laughs> I think I've probably had about five or something as well which is yeah. It does seem like a lot, but I feel like I've gone for other things and they've been like, oh, we'll just do a pap smear while you're here. I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I mean, yeah, better to be careful, I guess, isn't it? Um, you did just touch on some of the abnormal signs and symptoms, so that's that's fine. I saw actually a recent post on your Instagram about something coming about called self-screening, mm-hmm. which sounds very interesting. I guess, can you explain what self-screening means and why this is so important for health equality? Yeah, so super exciting. We will actually be able to screen ourselves if we choose from June this year, so 2022. Yeah, wow. Yes, Um, and I've been lucky enough to connect with one of the researchers who's um, been pushing for self-collection and doing a lot of the research behind it. So um, amazing, amazing work from so many people to get this off the ground. Um, There's a real kind of divide on people's opinions of this. Some people are really against it and think that it's not trustworthy, not accurate. Then when I, and I was honestly on that camp at first, but then when you speak to people working in this area, and doing the research behind it, there's, I think it's like a 98% accuracy or something crazy high. So, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna be given instructions. You're going to read them carefully. It's kind of like COVID tests, right? I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought I could ever do a COVID test, but all of a sudden I'm a scientist. Yes, I was just thinking that. I'm like, well, if we can do the nose swabs and we can do the little drippy thing, then of course (laughs) we can do this. That's good. We're more capable than we think. think The self-collection kind of bleeds into that. Um, But yeah, I think something to consider as well, if you're kind of feeling that it's not a good idea 
think about people who might not have access to a doctor. So people living rurally can now get an on-time cervical screening thanks to self-collection. People who might have sexual trauma can have a self-collection and, and not be completely triggered by the entire experience. People who have vaginismus can now have a self-collection, can do a self-collection without a speculum having to go inside of them and cause pain. You know, there's so many, there's cultural reasons why you might not be comfortable getting a cervical screening. So like you said, this is an amazing step to health equality. Um, and even if you're just kind of, you're not at all interested, you're terrified by getting a cervical screening through no reason that you can comprehend in your, in your mind, this might be an alternative that actually means that you'll have your cervical screening. So, I mean, for me personally, I don't think I'll do a self-collection because I feel comfortable having a GP do it and I don't want any additional stress of, in my mind of perhaps I did it wrong. Yeah. But the research is there to say that, you know, we can trust humans to do it correctly. So if that really appeals to you, I think it's an amazing option. And yeah, it's going to be amazing for people who haven't had one because they're not comfortable with the traditional cervical screening. Yeah, that's just that's so fantastic. I absolutely love that. And I think, yeah, as you said, you know, people rurally and and just even anyone who might not feel comfortable. What a great option. And I guess, yeah, like I know, you know, people aren't super for it, but it is, it's sometimes hard to put yourself in the shoes of someone else and think, oh, you know, maybe it's not for me, which same as you, I probably won't do it myself. Same thing. I'm just at this point, I think you, if you've had as many as yeah. we probably had, you're just like, whatever, I don't care anymore anyway. And, yeah. you know, feeling quite comfortable about it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's awesome. And how great that you have been able to, you know, get some insight from um, the person that you know who's a researcher. They do just absolutely amazing work. So that's yeah. fantastic. I am turning 25 this year and I absolutely adore the idea of your 25th year birthday cards that you've got on your website. Can you tell me a bit about the idea behind these? You know, how did you come up with that idea? Even just, uh, you know, all of the stuff on your website that's so fantastic. You know, where can I find your shop? Where can I find the directory? everything like that. Yes. So um, the birthday cards were kind of the first idea that was born out of Get Papped. And I actually thought of the idea when I was backpacking. I went traveling and I was kind of having, you know, these like I was a solo traveler. I was like, what am I doing with my life? I want to do something meaningful. Yeah. Um, and my abnormal cervical screening was kind of always looming over my head while I was overseas for a couple of years because I was living in a country where I, I couldn't speak the language or I was living in France so I was always oh, a little wow. bit scared that if like my I had any symptoms that showed I'd never be able to get help so it kind of like overshadowed some it didn't ruin my traveling at all but it was always in the back of my mind like oh like this is a big part of my life and I just wish I didn't have this abnormality um, so when I was traveling, I had a lot of downtime and a lot of time on buses and planes. Um, and I was kind of scribbling in my notepad, thinking of all these cool ideas. And I thought of Get Papped and how I could normalize cervical screenings um, and pap smears and all of that. 
Um, and I came up with the concept, the concept of a birthday card as a way to hold people accountable in a really comfortable way because I, I feel yeah. like you can't just bring up at a brunch like, hey, who here has had their cervical screening? Like everyone would be like, Jesus, what? <laughs> <laughs> Um, whereas you know we have to get it when we're 25 so if we could have a really delicate way of saying it in a birthday card that would open up this conversation in a way that's not super obvious and super aggressive so the front of the birthday card is kind of really subtle so there's no reason to be embarrassed to give it and the inside just says you know it's got a cute little poem that says it's time for your cervical screening and that you're going to hold them accountable because they're so important to you. Um, so it's kind of just like a really cheap gift because you're gifting them the gift of health through this birthday yes. um, and by holding them accountable. Um, and, yeah, I just thought it was kind of a sweet way to bring it up rather than um, just bringing it up out of the blue. Um, then I kind of led to having a bit more merch and other ways to promote uh, cervical screening. So we've got shirts now that just say get papped on them, which are kind of a conversation starter because to most people get papped doesn't mean much. Yeah. You kind of have to be like, oh, what's get papped? What's that mean? Yeah, that's great. Have an entire conversation around staying up to date with cervical screenings, when was your last one, things like that. And we recently launched a bucket hat as well. So same thing, kind of promoting it. And with all of the orders, you get some stickers that you can put on your laptop or, you know, put on your front door, put it on a lamppost, wherever, just to promote. <laughs> Around somewhere, put it somewhere. <laughs> yeah, get some attention. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's just kind of thinking of creative ways how you can talk about cervical screenings is hard because it's not a sexy topic so it's like yeah how do you bring it up how do you make it comfortable for everyone and I guess we've kind of gone down the route of more subtle ways to discuss it for the time being I mean I don't think anyone wants to wear a shirt that has like a giant cervix on it or anything <laughs> just a speculum like <laughs> That would be cute, right? <laughs> I feel like you could make that cute. Make it pink. It's sweet. That's nice. <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, that's fantastic. And you know, your obviously your Instagram is at get papped, which is mm -hmm. awesome. You post a lot of really good stuff on there. Even, you know, before we were doing this, I was having a scroll and learning so much just from your posts. I think just one additional question as well. I know obviously as as you said, you've gone through this yourself. Um mm -hmm multiple times I kind of want to know do you have any tips for people who maybe you know you talk about keeping people accountable and making sure they go and do it just some tips to support your friends maybe if they do or your partner whoever it is if they do come back with that abnormal uh, result and kind of how you can support them yeah for sure I think what's most important is to kind of you know, validate them, let them know that they did the right thing in booking their appointment in the first place. They've taken the best step to protecting themselves. That's really important. And I think just letting them know how normal it is. I'm sure that you have friends, family who've gone through the same thing. So let them know, oh, like, I know Sue has this. I know Karen has this, whatever. Like, let them know the names if your friends and family are comfortable sharing. 
but I find it's really great to actually let people know other people have been in the same situation through starting Get Papped, I've had people I'm not very close with, like acquaintances reach out to me who I wouldn't usually discuss my cervix with, but because I run Get Papped, they have. Yeah. And, you know, that they've gone through the same thing and never told anyone and, or they told someone and felt completely judged. And I'm kind of still in shock that I'm their only option to talk to. And I'm glad I am, but it just goes to show these conversations aren't happening And if you brought up with a group of your girlfriends, you know, at a brunch or at a bar when you were all hanging out like, hey, I got this diagnosis, I would be so surprised if an entire group of people couldn't say like, oh, yeah, me too. I've had that because like we said before, it's up to 80 percent of the population contract it. So and I think it's important to keep that stat in mind if anyone judges you. Because if anyone has any negative comments about contracting HPV, the likelihood of it coming for them is so high. Like, be careful. What yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's karma is going to come back. Around. Yeah, like, you can get too, babe. Like, if you don't get it, I'm shocked. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. That's really good. That's great. I think it's just, yeah, just keep in mind that you're not alone. But something I wanted to say as well is... Um, you know, you can't hold everyone accountable to book in for their cervical screening. I still know people who refuse to book their cervical screening and I'm I'm running Get Papped and I'm talking about it all the time and, you know, I'm dedicating a big portion of my life to this and I still have friends who refuse to book in. So the onus isn't all on you. You can educate people, you can talk about it, you can try and make it as comfortable as possible and you're still going to have people in your life who refuse to get it done and there's a point where you have to put your hands up and be like, I've tried. So, yeah, I think some, that's something I sometimes battle with is like, oh, like, you know, even if I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> the queen of get paps can't do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Maybe people need to send this episode to their friends and say, here you go, listen to this, listen to Katie, follow you on Instagram at Get Papped and just, you know, maybe buy them a bucket hat or something. Awesome. <laughs> I actually bought one the other day and I'm very excited. It's on the way. It's on Yay! The way. I'm stoked. I'm so excited. I'm going to need to, Um, I mean, turning 25 this year, I'm going to need to come and buy some of the birthday cards in bulk and just out to every single one of my mates and be like hello we're all being held accountable yes exactly (laughs) oh well thank you so much for coming on and chatting I think you know my audience in particular and even students that listen to this as well that I have will benefit so much from even just learning what a cervical screening is let alone you know the statistics and and the way the appointment will go and kind of what to expect I think that alone will take out hopefully so much of the fear about it and just hearing that it is normal and you know maybe those results that you get then it's not the end of the world there are options and you're not necessarily you know going to get cancer and die because (laughs) like you said so many people come to that conclusion and that's dr google these days anyway you know we've got the power to kind of search that ourselves so um yeah I just want to say massive thank you for coming on and talking to me today and I just I appreciate it so much I think the work that you're doing is is really really amazing and I can see it just blowing up and and being such a thing especially you know opening up the conversation like this it's really needed so no thank you and thank you for having such a easy conversation about this topic that not everyone 
likes to talk about but it's so nice to talk to you and be so open and honest and hopefully hold some more people accountable through this conversation yeah yay that is all for today's episode. I hope you guys really, really enjoyed listening to Katie and you learned so much today. I know I learned heaps even just listening and having a chat to her as well. If you guys have any feedback on these episodes, especially now we're in the new year and especially these new ones kind of interview style, I would absolutely love that. You can review my podcast on Facebook at the health classes you missed or on Apple podcast as well. If you are enjoying them, of course, please come follow me on Instagram at the health classes you missed and make sure to click that uh, follow or subscribe button. I hope everyone stays safe and I'll be back in your ears very soon. See you later.